Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, welcome to the happy hour. I'm your host, Jamie, and I am really excited that you're here. The month of December is fun over here because, well, lots of reasons. I'll tell you a couple. Number one, I hope you're still shopping for our holiday gift guide. It came out back in November. You can find it all at jamieivy.com slash HH444. The second reason that it's awesome is because we are talking about Compassion International all month long. I have told you on the episode that we did with Jonathan back in November that compassion has been a huge part of my life and my family's life for the past 15 years. We've sponsored several kids through Compassion and I've had the unique, amazing, I can't even believe it opportunity to meet most of the kids that our family has sponsored. I have met Wansley in Haiti. I have met Brian in Kenya. I met Mia in Mexico City. My husband met Kiera in Peru. It has just been such a joy to meet these children and their families and to send them letters and to really just be a small part of their life, really financially helping the churches in their local area that are coming alongside their families. In fact, I just sponsored a new child this year through our campaign that we're doing because we want to see a lot of kids sponsored in the DR. We picked the DR because it's close to us because we have a big dream of taking happy hour listeners who have sponsored children in the DR on a trip to visit their kids. It's a big dream. We had this dream pre-COVID. We hope it still happens. Think it will. That's why we picked the DR. And I told you at the end of November that they've been 5,000 children in the DR right now waiting for a sponsor. And over 750 of them have been waiting for 12 or more months. And we just really want to start to eliminate that number. We want children to have sponsors. And our big goal at the happy hour is to have 400 kids sponsored. And then another fun thing in December is, like I told you the last two episodes, we are bringing you audio from the Jamie Ivey Show, which was released in February exclusively on YouTube. It is a talk show. We had so much fun putting together. It is very professional looking, you guys. Go over to YouTube and check it out. Go to jamieivy.com slash YouTube. So all the conversations that you're going to hear on the podcast in December, you can actually watch them in video format as well, which I don't know about you. Sometimes I just love to see who's talking. Today on the show, we have Isabel Garza. Isabel is a registered dietitian who is on a mission to help women nourish their bodies with confidence. You guys, the conversation that we had with Isabel that aired back in February was so enlightening, informative. I just wanted more information. We talk about how to learn more about our own bodies and get rid of all the rules that we have about eating. We talk about emotional hunger versus physical hunger, how to work through our relationship with food and how we think about it. Isabel is wise and compassionate in this conversation, and I think it's one that you're really, really going to enjoy. Also, fun fact, her mother-in-law Catherine, tomorrow's her birthday. So happy birthday, Catherine, one of my longest friends here in Austin, Texas. So happy birthday, Catherine Garza. All right, friends, here's my conversation with Isabel Garza. Welcome to the Jamie Ivey Show. I'm your host, Jamie. And on today's show, I sit down with Isabel Garza, who's on a mission to help women nourish their bodies with confidence. Isabel, welcome to the show today. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay, so I love the work that you're doing and your tagline is you're helping women nourish their bodies with confidence. Now, let me just set the stage for you real quick. I'm 42. 
Okay. I have cared about my body because I've just wanted to, you know, be skinny. Mm-hmm. You know, we're growing up. That's what we want. And then you get your 40s and your body starts changing. What made you actually want to get into nutrition to help women have confidence in their bodies? Yeah, it's such a good question. I think for me, the biggest part that drew me to wanting to help women is I was just so tired of seeing women struggle over their bodies, obsess over food, and really steal from their life because of that obsession. And so I saw this happening, I said enough is enough and I wanted to be a part of that change to allow women to say, hey, all this obsession about trying to be thin, making myself small, right, both figuratively and literally, and is not bringing the joy and the fulfillment in my life that I want. And so I Okay, did you personally deal with this? Or was this something you just watched your friends go through? I dealt with it myself too. Yeah, very personally. There was a time pretty much in the middle of college that a lot of the stuff started coming up for me. I went through a change in my body that I later found out was related to some hormone dysfunction, but I just went into this wormhole of just obsessing over food, calories, carbohydrates, exercise. I mean, all of that. And looking back now, I didn't have the clarity then, right? But looking back now, I can just see how much I was obsessing over those things. And when I was in family gatherings, I was thinking about how was I going to eat in a healthful way and under my caloric intake, right? Instead of engaging in conversation, engaging in whatever celebration we were partaking in. It was so distracting. And I just think we don't know how much it's taking away from us until we realize what is possible on the other side. That's really good. Now, here's the thing. This is hard Mm -hmm. because our world is not telling us the things you're saying. Our culture, social media, our friends, Mm -hmm. the things we know. I've heard you say, you asked one time, you said, do you know more about diets than you do about your actual body? And I read that when you said that and I just thought, I don't know that I know much about my actual body. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just this constant wave of if I could be more like that or look more like that or I'm not going to eat carbs for like the next two months. Mm -hmm. How do you think us as women can learn more about our own bodies and not just about the latest diet fad. Yeah, it's so true, man. And I see this all the time with my clients, right? I'll ask them about what diets they've been on and they can tell me all the good foods and the bad foods, the yes foods and the no foods, how many points a certain food is, right? All that stuff. And then when I ask them, well, do you know when you're hungry or when you feel full? Or do you know the difference between physical hunger versus emotional hunger? They have no idea. And I mean, it's not rocket science that we don't know it because there's so much distraction out yeah. there, right? Telling us that you should just follow this diet. You should just do this. You don't know better. We know better, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Give us your money and we'll tell right. you exactly how to do it. <laughs> and I'm just giving my money out to yeah, everybody. Yeah. Exactly. And so I say enough with that. You were born with your God-given internal wisdom to navigate food, navigate how much food you need, need to eat, what type of food makes you feel good. And if you can honor that, man, that is true freedom, That's right? True that freedom. you're not mm-hmm. chasing some type of fad that is going to change overnight. It's yeah. going to change tomorrow our first fats were bad, right? And now they're good. Give me all the good fats. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's so confusing. And yet your internal wisdom is so clear when it comes to that and adaptive, right? Mm. Those diets are not adaptive. If you are on vacation or you are celebrating a birthday, all all of a sudden we don't know how to eat anymore. And so what I really do is I help women just to learn about their bodies. And the first step is really to reject all those diet rules, right? We have to get that out of the picture first to clear some room for your internal signals, your internal wisdom Mm -hmm. to speak. You know, I think when you said getting rid of all those rules that you've always been told, Mm -hmm. uh, that's the first step. Here's the question though. 
think so many people, that's the only way they know how to eat. Yeah. So do you find it's hard when you ask women to get rid of all the rules? Mm -hmm. Do they often go, well, I don't know what to do? Yeah, it's like the rugs pulled out under them, right? It's like, then what am I supposed to eat? And what very often happens, what's very common, right? So for example, we kind of talked about carbohydrates. Uh So we say, okay, we get rid of that rule. And they say, oh my gosh, well then if I don't follow that rule, then all I'm going to do is eat carbohydrates, Right. right? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, day in and day out. And I say, okay, well, let's try that. Oh my goodness, right? What would that bring? But I asked them to really start experimenting and learning. And we can't really learn unless we step out of our comfort zone. And a lot of those fears of weight gain or losing control or whatever it may be is really what holds us back from learning about our bodies. And soon when they're burnt out on eating all the foods that they've forbidden themselves to eat for so long, they actually get to realize, oh, when I'm not restricting all these foods and I'm not saying this is a good food and bad food and feeling so deprived, I actually get to make a decision on the foods that I know make me feel good. It's like you're giving the power back. Yeah. You're giving mm-hmm. the power back and saying you have the power to make these decisions mm-hmm. and you can make good decisions because I think we don't think we can. You know, I'm going to ask you later about hormones, but right now I'm going to talk about, you mentioned physical hunger and emotional hunger. Mm-hmm. And even as you're talking about like, you can do whatever you want and make the decisions. I know there are certain times of the month, maybe even, and we can mm-hmm. talk about hormones later as for women. There are certain times of the year. I mean, we've had a hard 2020 that we mm-hmm. were just in last year that it was difficult. And so mm-hmm. that emotional hunger, what do you mean when you say that? Yeah, it's a huge umbrella term for very complex experience from person to person. But emotional hunger, I like to compare with physical hunger, right? So emotional hunger very often comes very abruptly. Like all of a sudden you feel this very strong sense to eat usually one particular food versus physical hunger is very often a little bit more gradual, right? You maybe can wait 30 minutes. It's kind of this gentle nudging and you have space to make a decision on whether you want to eat one food or another. Emotional hunger is not like that, right? It really seizes you. And also with emotional hunger, very often if you choose to eat something, the emptiness doesn't really go away, right? It's still there. You may get a a short-term relief, Mm -hmm. but that's really about it. And so I kind of start using that vocabulary to help people navigate that because one, emotional hunger is so demonized, right? Like you're not allowed to eat emotionally. And that's not true either. Okay. It's that's really, good because I'm sitting here thinking about all the times I yeah. do this and maybe I just need to think more about it. Keep going. Right. Yes. It's just to be able to better understand, am I experiencing an emotional hunger or a physical hunger? And not to demonize either one, because when you demonize it, what happens? All that shame yeah. and guilt comes yes. in. And then we say, I'll do better tomorrow. Yes. And then we're in that vicious cycle of never being able to break those cycles, yeah. right? And never really taking the chance to learn about what was going on there? Mm. What was happening? Why did I still feel that sense of emptiness? Why did I feel so frantic? Yeah. We don't have that time to pause because the shame comes in and wipes everything away. It makes me think even you talk about that hole is still there after you do that. And I have plenty of people and I've had this experience in my own life when there is this, I want to feed my body with food because I think it will make me feel better. And that might mm-hmm. be what you're talking about with emotional. And it goes so much deeper mm-hmm. than just the food itself. Oh yeah. And so what I hear you saying is that you want to help women understand why they do it. And then how they can do it like correctly. Like, cause you said, emotional eating is not always bad. Mm-hmm. So how do we do that? Well, yeah. is, you know, not feeling shame over it. And mm-hmm. my, you mean tell you what mine is? Yeah. Chips and salsa mm. every single day. Mm-hmm. And I usually don't feel guilty about it. 
I don't. I'm going to say it. I don't feel guilty about mm-hmm. it. I feel guilty about it when I come in and I'm like, oh my gosh, I deserve anything I want. And then I just eat, 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 and then I feel bad. Yeah. But I also enjoy chips and salsa every day and I feel mm-hmm. good about it. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Totally. So I think what we often do is we focus on the emotional eating, yeah. right? The eating part. And that's really just a symptom of the root issue, which is, are we able to deal with our emotions? And that word deserve, right, can be really insidious because it means that we're needing to earn our food, right? So kind of going back to our conversation earlier about our rules, when you're on a diet, you do kind of have to earn your food, whether you've exercised a certain amount or you've been good all weekend, right? In quotes. And then the wheels fly off and now you get to deserve, you know, barbecue yes. or, or tacos or all the foods that you actually want to right. eat, right? And so the deserving ends up being a slippery slope where we end up really oscillating between foods that we think are good or bad or us being good or bad and can really end up leading to a lot of chaos. Mm in our eating behaviors. We We do this with our kids. Yeah. We're like, you got all A's. You know what? You get a chocolate sundae. Mm Mm-hmm. But maybe we should just do a chocolate sundae on Sunday because it's Sunday. Yeah. And it's just a fun day. Totally. Oh, my gosh. Normalizing those eating Normalizing habits. Normalizing Foods don't have to be this. There doesn't need to be a halo effect around yeah. certain foods. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is so good with Isabel. We're going to talk more when we come back after this break about hormones because I have questions, you have questions, and she has answers. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. I'm here with my friend Isabel Garza, and we're talking all about food and having the power to make decisions about our own bodies. Now, one thing that I know you specialize in is hormones. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier before the break that you had a time in college when you realized that some of your eating was had to do with hormones. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll be quite frank and honest with you. I don't know much about hormones and I'm a woman Mm -hmm. and I know I have them. Believe Mm -hmm. me, I know I have them. (laughs) But how do you say that hormones affect our bodies and our eating and our nutrition? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think first and foremost to say that hormones are not a dirty word or a bad word. It I feels think. like it a little bit, huh? Yeah, hormonal yes, right, is true. used as a derogatory term mm-hmm. to criticize someone when they're emotional or acting yes. out in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And hormones are an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing. It makes us be able to feel invigorated, energized, connected. I mean, it, there's so many things. I'm a nerd for hormones, <laughs> obviously. Yes. But I think when we talk about hormones, very often we're trying to control hormones. And in my work, I really empower women to learn about their hormones so that they can know when they're experiencing certain cravings, right? Or know when they may be feeling more fatigued because they're in a certain time in their cycle. Mm. All those things are so important so that when you are feeling, say, fatigued in the second half of your cycle in your luteal phase, that you're not finding yourself beating yourself up saying, I have to go to the gym. I have to get that HIIT workout in because you know that your body doesn't need that right now. Its hormones are at a specific state where actually very calming exercises or restorative movements are going to be much more beneficial. So I think that's just a a little sneak peek of the things that I do with clients. But that's what I love about our hormones, that if we can learn about them, then we can work with them and really embody the power that they can get. Okay, so I'm a client of yours. Not really, but we'll pretend. Yeah. And I would be a client of yours. (laughs) I would love to. So I come to your office. I don't know anything about my body or hormones. Mm. Am I the majority of the kind of women that you're seeing because I just have never had a conversation with Mm -hmm. girlfriends about any of those words you just said about Mm -hmm. any kind of phase of my cycle or anything. And so where do we even start Mm when we're wanting to learn more about our bodies Mm -hmm. with our hormones? Yeah, I start at our periods. 
So people also don't like to use that word. It's right? okay. People feel like they need to whisper it. But <laughs> it, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it tells us so much. In fact, it's our monthly report card where it tells us what we're doing in our life, how it's reflecting in our bodies. And so I really use our periods as a way to understand our bodies as well as understand the fluctuations of our hormones. And so that's really where I start. Whenever I do my first consultation, I ask, how are your periods? Are they heavy, irregular, painful? That tells me so much about how you're eating, about any micronutrient deficiencies, about your exercise. I mean, it really shows so much. You mean you're here to tell me mm-hmm. that if I'm having painful periods, it could be because of some of the foods I'm eating. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. About to change my life right here. <laughs> yeah, okay, so that's where things... you start is with periods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to not normalize a lot of that discomfort. Periods aren't supposed to take away half of your month all the time, right? You're, you need to be living your life. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that a lot of those things have been normalized, and so what happens is either people deal with it, right? Just take ibuprofen or struggle through, or they get on birth control to shut it all off. And then we really have no idea what your hormones are doing because that's exactly what hormonal birth control does. It turns off your hormones Mm -hmm. so that they don't do what they do best. And so I reject that. And I want women to say, hey, if if there's an issue, then that doesn't have to be normal. What can we do to get you to a more comfortable place knowing your body? Okay. So I know that you're a nutritionist Mm -hmm. and I didn't know this until I got to know you of how much you would cross over with this hormonal therapy. Would you call it that? Or nutrition counseling, nutritional counseling Mm -hmm. with nutrition and hormones. Mm -hmm. Because when I think of, I'm going to go to a nutritionist, I'll tell you, my first thought is so she can tell me how to lose weight. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that what most women are coming to you for? Yeah, 100%. And I have to actually challenge that right away because that isn't the work I do. In fact, most of the time I realize that women know how to lose weight, right? They get on a 1,200 calorie diet, exercise really hard, don't eat any of the foods they love, and that's how they lose weight. But that's not the problem, right? The problem is the deeper issues, their relationship with food, how they think about food, what they believe about food, and the other part of it, which is what I specialize in, is their hormones, right? How their hormones play a role in all of that. So it's really not about weight loss. In fact, weight loss can be really distracting. And so very often I just propose, hey, can we put this pursuit of weight loss on the back burner so that we're not so focused on that so we can really start tuning in to our bodies and really learn about our bodies and work with it. Because You're like a counselor as well, Isabel. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Well, nutrition therapy, I would <laughs> nutrition say. Nutrition therapy. I'm like, I feel like I need a little couch to lay down on uh-huh. and then we can just talk yeah. about all the bad things that people bring into. Mm-hmm. So hormones. Now, when you talk about hormones and you talked about periods, I told you earlier, I'm 42 Mm -hmm. and I don't know hardly anything about my own hormones. Mm -hmm. I feel like when you're younger and you start your period, it's like, ah, started my period. Mm -hmm. Or or maybe you want to, you Mm -hmm. know, you're like 12, 13, everyone's starting their periods with me. And then you get a little bit older and then you maybe get married if you do. And then you're like, okay, I need to have kids. That's why I need my period. Mm -hmm. And then when you get older, it's kind of like, ah, why are we still doing this? How does a woman's hormones because I know periods change over your mm-hmm. lifetime. How do a woman's hormones change throughout her lifetime? Oh my gosh, what a, a, a big million question. ways. A million ways. Okay. Yes. And specifically, what I work with is I work with hormone dysfunction. So specific diagnoses like polycystic ovarian syndrome, HA, um, endometriosis, what is HA? Uh, hypothalamic amenorrhea. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. and, and these are all hormone related. They're all hormone related. Okay. Yes. And they will definitely change. The chronic illness itself will also change over time. So we're not even just talking about women. You know 
without chronic illness, but with chronic illnesses, all the hormones are constantly changing. And so that's why there isn't this one size fits all diet that's going to heal you, all your ailments, right? It's really meeting your body where it's at, learning how to adapt. And if your hormones do change, to be willing to change with it, right? Not be such a stickler about your diet or your exercise routine or the habits that you have Mm -hmm. induced into your life, but really to find freedom saying, okay, my body's telling me something. I'm really fatigued. I'm really exhausted. I'm having more pain around my periods. What can I do for my body? Right. Versus trying to wrestle our bodies into submission. I feel like that is so often the approach that we use in the health and wellness world. How do we shrink our bodies, fight it, make it not tired, drink the caffeine, Uh right? All that stuff. And that's useless because our body will win. It will say and speak what it needs to speak Mm -hmm. eventually. And sometimes that comes out sideways in really uncomfortable and harmful ways. Okay. So hormones, I'm going to ask maybe the dumbest question yet today. Okay. (laughs) How do you find out if your hormones are functioning well or not? Is it like, physical symptoms? Is it blood Mm -hmm. tests? How do you figure that out? Yeah. So we start with symptoms, but what I do is I do a comprehensive hormone testing. So the test I use is called Dutch. It's not a Dutch test. It stands for dry urinary test for comprehensive hormones. And basically what we're looking at is how your hormones break down in your body. So why I like to use it over say a blood test Mm -hmm. is because in a blood test, we just get a snapshot view. What's in your blood, right? What are the hormones that are floating around versus when we look at your urine, we get to see how the hormones being broken down okay. and utilized in your body and metabolized in your body. And Which that's is where important. you see if they're not functioning right. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. So for example, we can get a little nerdy and Go a little bit it. more specific. Yeah. So with estrogen, uh-huh. right? Some people, they'll test their estrogen levels in their body and say it's high. Great. We don't know why. We don't okay. know. Are you producing too much? Is your body not deactivating it, metabolizing it, getting rid of it? I mean, there's so many reasons why that could be happening. And so we really need to get to the root cause or else we could try all the things. And you but don't it's going to be yeah, different from one person to another. That's so interesting because you could just get a regular test, a blood test maybe, mm-hmm. and tell you, oh, it's high, put you on medicine yeah. instead of figuring out exactly why it might mm-hmm. be that way. Exactly. It's so freeing even to know like, okay, I can figure out what, why my body's doing this way mm-hmm. and then I can take the power. And that's what you offer your people. Yes, yes. I always say, be the expert of your own body. Like that is truly freedom when okay. you are the expert. I know you work with women, but this mm-hmm. question just came into my head. Yeah. As much as our hormones change over our lifetime, does the same happen for men? Yeah, to a certain okay. extent. Yeah, so it's less what they're going to experience, right? Because women are experiencing changes in their hormones every month. True. And throughout the month versus for men, they don't really see that fluctuation. If, if they do a hormone panel, they can take it anytime in their life, in their month versus we need to take it at a very specific time in order to understand what they look like. So they may be experiencing changes in their hormones, but not in the fluctuations that we do as women. You know, my favorite thing you said in this little time together Mm. was that hormones are not a bad thing because so many times it's like, oh, you're acting so hormonal. Yeah. That's so mean. I despise that. We're done with that. No, we're not acting hormonal. We're acting who we are. Isabel, thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about eating disorder versus disordered eating. Okay, guys, we're back with my guest, Isabel Garza, who her theme is helping women nourish their bodies with confidence. And this has been such a great conversation about hormones and physical hunger and emotional hunger. And I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. I want to ask you a question. This is something I've been hearing a lot lately, and I don't know that I fully understand it. Mm -hmm. I've heard women talk about disordered eating, Mm -hmm. and I've always heard eating disorder, and I don't even know if they're the same thing. Mm -hmm. So when you say disordered eating, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so to kind of differentiate, eating disorder is a diet 
diagnosis that meets certain criteria in the DSM-5. It's very specific. Disordered eating comes in a little bit more of a spectrum, and disordered eating is a lot more common now that we have such a obsession around food and this obsession around shrinking our bodies and mm -hmm. losing weight. And so what happens is people end up having a very disordered relationship with food where they may have good foods, bad foods, find themselves, you know, eating all the things that they want on vacation and then feeling like they need to go on a cleanse when they come back or all these type of things that really just lead to a lot of chaotic eating behaviors versus eating in a way day to day, moment to moment, feeling confident that you are putting what's in your body good for you. So it can get a little confusing, a little chaotic. It feels that way, but when you're describing it and you're saying it, I think to myself, I don't mean this in a joking way. I'm like, I feel like that sounds like my life sometimes. Mm. And so when you say that word disordered eating, it's not a diagnosis. Mm. So that's the difference as well, is that there's no diagnosis. It's just like, maybe this is your lifestyle of how you eat right now. Yeah, I think it helps people put vocabulary to their eating behavior because I think the chaotic eating behavior of being on and being off and being on the wagon, off the wagon is so normalized, unless we call it out for what it is that, hey, that's disordered eating. That's not really eating in a way that is nourishing your body and connecting to your body, then people will really just say, well, this is how it this is. is, this, how is it what, is. this is what we need to do in order to keep our bodies the way we want it to or, mm -hmm. or make it lose weight or whatever it may be. Okay, in your work that you've been doing, mm -hmm. I would imagine you feel a lot of successes. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. So much to celebrate. So what do you celebrate with your women that you're working with? Like, what would be we're gonna celebrate this. This mm -hmm. is a success. From small things to large things, what are you celebrating? Yeah, so for some people, I think who maybe have binge eating type of tendencies, right? So maybe they're good all week, right? And then all the weekends, you know, all hell breaks loose mm -hmm. and then they eat all the things and then at the end they feel guilt and shame. So I think there's many things to celebrate, right? For some people, I do a, a exposure therapy, basically, uh -huh. right? So it's maybe they can't have ice cream in the house because the moment they have ice cream in the house, they eat the whole pint and so we really try to find this median of, okay, what if we kept those food in the house and really normalized it and said, you know, you can have that food anytime. It's not the last time you can have it. You don't need to eat it all right now. And sometimes clients will get, hop on a call with me and say, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about the ice cream I bought and it was in my freezer and I didn't see it until I pulled out the frozen chicken. And I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot I bought it. Yeah. And that is a huge thing to celebrate versus all they can think about all day is don't eat the ice cream, don't eat the ice cream, don't eat the ice cream until they give in. Yeah. And so things like that is, it's just so liberating yeah. because they realize that, oh, there are other things to think about besides food. And when they're not thinking about food, they're thinking about their life, their kids, their relationships, right? All these things that they actually want mm -hmm. in their life. And that's really when life opens up. It sounds to me like you're also saying, hey, there's more to your life than constantly thinking about what mm -hmm. you're going to eat. And you're a nutritionist. You help people learn this and give them power. Like we mm -hmm. said earlier, I'm wondering also if you have heard your clients say, I now have more fun with my kids mm -hmm. or I had more fun with my husband or my spouse on vacation. Do you see that happening a lot as well when they kind of yeah. take this idea of a way of the food controlling them versus mm -hmm. them controlling controlling that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They realize that their food and their weight and their health isn't the end all be all. That it's just a vehicle for everything else in their life, right? So once they can find a healthy relationship with food and their bodies, then they can do everything that's actually important to them. Yeah. And I think we get a kind of lost in the sauce with all the diets and all this pressure to be a certain body size that we forget, well, why do I care about my health mm. again? Why do I want to eat in a way that makes me feel good? It's because of everything else, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So. Now, I know that eating disorders, like you said, they're a diagnosis. Those mm -hmm. are real, very real things that people mm -hmm. are dealing with. With someone is feeling like, I wonder if maybe I have more than just disordered eating. Mm -hmm. 
Maybe I have something that I might need to see a professional doctor for. Would that be something that you deal with as well with clients? Yeah, definitely. So it kind of depends on the level of care they need. For certain eating disorders, they may need inpatient care. So they're staying at a facility. They have someone monitoring them, supporting them. They have a whole team of, of doctors, physicians, dietitians, therapists, all of that. And so what I do is really kind of dictate whether our sessions are enough for as an outpatient type of treatment or do they need a higher level of care and be an inpatient. And I always tell people there's no shame in a higher mm-hmm. level of care. I so appreciate people reaching out and asking for help. But I think because there's so much gray now, sometimes it's hard to tell. Yeah. So that's where kind of my professional yeah. lens can help. Okay, so there's ladies watching and mm-hmm. they're like, I have never heard such a thing as this. Mm-hmm. And they want that freedom. That's what I think is so interesting as I'm listening. I'm like, I don't think anyone would say like, I enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Like they want that power. They want mm-hmm. the freedom. They want the emotional stability that maybe they're not having. Someone is saying, this is what I want. What are just some of the first things that just someone at their house as they're watching mm-hmm. this can start to think through or even do? They don't live in Austin, Texas and they can't come see you. Mm-hmm. What are some things that a woman could do? I say one of the first steps is kind of do a audit of the food rules that you have. Because you may not even know you have food rules, right? You think this is a good thing. I, yeah. I'm supposed to eat less carbs. That's the right, right thing to do. Yeah. And so you may not even realize that you have all these food rules that are really dictating your life and really stealing the joy away from your dining experiences, mm-hmm. right? So I really encourage people, I mean, just start taking down notes whenever you notice a food rule come up. When you notice yourself criticize what you ate, well, why did you criticize what you ate? There has to be a food rule there that didn't meet a certain standard, right? That it deserves some type of criticism. And so I encourage people to start doing that and then start going through those food rules. And this is the hard part, challenging them, right? So for example, if you say carbs are bad, mm-hmm. all right, so what happens when you cut out carbohydrates? Well, I eat all of them, right? Uh-huh. The moment yeah. I have the chance, well, is that really serving you? Right. Is that really helping you feel freedom in food? Is that helping you feel safe in your body? And if it's not, then it's not really a good food rule, mm-hmm. right? It's not really helping you and serving you. And so what we start doing is, and this is where a professional can really help, is creating some supportive structure that can reintroduce some of those foods and normalize those foods so that they don't have this forbidden fruit yeah. kind of halo effect around yeah. them. And eventually, kind of like the ice cream example, people start realizing, oh, sometimes I want these foods, sometimes I don't. That's really where that body attunement right. comes in. And people can start trusting that they want foods that are good for their bodies and they're not wanting those foods just because they can't have yeah. them. Well, you know what? I'm so grateful for you having these conversations because mm-hmm. the loudest conversations seem to be do these five things mm-hmm. and you'll lose weight or, mm-hmm. you know, eat this food group and you'll lose weight or work out this way or whatever. And all those things are good, which you're not saying like, you mm-hmm. know, don't work out or don't eat mm-hmm. this. You're just saying take the power back mm-hmm. for you to make choices and that we're smart women, that yeah. we can do this. Exactly. Yes. Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, thanks for joining us today in this conversation. I have learned so much. I hope you have learned so much. Um, thank you so much for joining joining me today, Isabel. You guys, I remember recording with Isabel and as soon as we were done, I wanted more information. Like I wanted to find out more. Go to the show notes if you want to follow Isabel and see the work that she's doing. It's easy to find the show notes. Go to jamieivy.com slash HH449. This is episode 449. Don't forget, if you want to watch our conversation, any of the conversations from the month of December are going to be over on the Jamie Ivy shows. So go to jamieivy.com slash YouTube. You guys don't forget, we're really trying to bring that number down with compassion. So go to compassion.com slash Ivy. I-V-E-Y. Don't forget, as a thank you gift, we're going to send you a wallet from Able, and we're going to send a copy of my newest book, God Made You to Be You, to the child that you sponsor in the DR.
Thanks so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to bring to you, and every opportunity we get to point us all to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is actually the number one way that people find out about our show because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that make us think, make us laugh, and point us to Jesus. Also, come find me on other places around the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy, And we've been having some fun posting videos on YouTube as well. Sometimes you wish you could see the person I'm interviewing. Well, come over and find us there and you can. JamieIvy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics by Rachel Ray. The show is edited by the team at Podshaper. And I'm your host, Jamie. And I love every single week that I get to be here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend. Happy Hour.